I am not an innocent, not bystander. An innocent bystander. I am a threat, am a threat, to, my threat enemy. to my enemy. I am powerful. I am powerful. I am strategic and bold. I will not sit idly by. I will take ground. I will advance. I will tear through my enemy. And my enemy will hate me. I will not avoid the difficult fight. I will fight. I will be wounded. I will be targeted and I will bleed. I will not tire. My wounds will be healed. I will see tragedy. I will feel pain. But I will be restored. My feet will not stumble. My hands will hold fast. I will not be intimidated. Hey, chapter 5, and we are on, once again, the topic of salvation. That's right, you guys can read. That's a very good start. At the top of the page, 53, Ruth, we are there, salvation. Why must I be saved? Because Pastor Billy said so. No, uh, because you're lost, okay, is the key word there. How many of you guys remember that show, Lost? I don't think I ever made it through one episode. I think I got lost watching Lost or something. I just couldn't get the thing of it. It's like, well, that's kind of weird. Anything else? Well, you know, but anyway, so with Lost, as we saw, that's important when, believe it or not, when we share the true gospel, hopefully that you are leaving the person with that impression that they are lost, okay? And it's not just, oh, gee whiz, I'm somewhere in aisle, I don't know, in Walmart, but I'm confident I can get out of here someday. Right, Jim? You're here, praise God, I know. But uh, that's right. And no, 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 there's some serious danger in being lost because if you don't get unlost, okay, then you're going to end up in this place that's even worse, nothing against Walmart, uh, is hell. Okay? <laughs> okay. Are we, when we share the quote, good news with people, is this even going through their brain? And if it's not, what are we sharing? We've got to get back to what it means to be saved, saved from, I like to say, what? A mediocre life? Uh, saved from a poor economic experience? Uh, no, saved from hell, from being lost. Okay, separated from God, headed to hell. Saved from that. How many guys would say that's a good thing to discover? Yeah, okay, that's what we're talking about. Why must I be saved? Because I'm lost. Why am I lost? Because I'm a sinner. Uh, why am I a sinner? Because we are depraved was the big word that we used last time, depraved or depravity. Okay, so we saw there. And basically what we saw there, because of that, there is a separation uh, with God there. Okay, because of that issue. We are all born, as we left off last time, with a disobedience disease. Now, I know this is a really simple test, and uh, if you were here last week, we, we, uh, we saw, well, hey, if you want to prove that you're not a sinner, that's the Christianese code word, isn't it, that we share with people, but if you want to break it down and say, hey, prove to me that you're worthy to get into heaven, um, uh, don't uh, just be a perfect person for one day. How many guys had a perfect day today? Go ahead, raise your hand. Really? Man, you're messing up my point. No, the problem is uh, we, none of us can. We're, we've all blown it, okay? We might think, oh, I wasn't that bad, but that's just it. Were you perfect? 
And that's what we're going to see. It's it's 100%. You can't get nothing wrong. Why? Because, and this is the attribute that ties it all together, God is just like us. No, praise God he's not. He's holy. That means without sin. That means 100% perfect. So that's the dilemma we're going to see again tonight. Hey, if God is 100% perfect without sin, no error, nothing wrong, how are we going to have a relationship with him? There's a dilemma. Well, hey, praise God, we can get saved from that dilemma. And that's what we're going to talk about again tonight. Hey, at the top of page 54, right under there where it says, and he explains original sin is where we left off, the two blanks there, original sin and its results. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered to the world. Now, what was his name? Adam, okay. Uh, And death through sin. So death passed, uh, spread to all men because all sin. Okay, we were all infected with this and we are infected from birth, as we saw before, uh, with this disobedient disease. We can't just wake up one day by our own ingenuity and bootstraps and strength and say, I'm going to be a perfect person from now on. It, you can't make it past one day, okay, because of what Adam. Now you might think, well, hey, that's not really that fair, is the great word that people say. Well, that's not, I wasn't there. I didn't take the apple. I didn't disobey God back then. Why uh, am I being held accountable for something I didn't do? Well, it's an infection. There are original parents, okay, just like we know with genetic diseases, things can be passed on from generation to generation. Sin nature, disobedience disease, if you will, has been passed throughout all humanity. And if you don't think that's fair, this is what's so wild about salvation. Flip it around. Okay, you're saying one man, and it's made that we have all become sinners. Okay, but through one man, the man God, Jesus Christ, we're all made perfect. Isn't that awesome? This is where we left off last time. Romans chapter 5. Okay, verse 18 and 19. Let's take a look at that. Romans chapter 5. Anybody know a Romans theme song? Really? Okay. Romans marriage. Romans chapter 5. Verses 18 through 19. This is what's so wild, okay? You flip it around. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't sit there and say, shake a fist at God. God, that's not right. That's not fair because I'm being held accountable for one man's action. We'll flip it around to God's wonderful graciousness. Look what he's done through another man, Jesus Christ. This is awesome. Verse 18, consequently, just as the result of one trespass, Adam, was condemnation for who? All of us. So also the result of one act of righteousness, Jesus Christ's death on the cross, was what? justification that brings life for all men for just as through the disobedience of the one man adam the many were made what sinners so also through the obedience of the one man jesus christ the many will be made what righteous isn't that amazing i mean god by rights of being infinitely holy could have said i'm done with you guys there's no way you're i'm gonna nuke the whole planet all of mankind and you're not given a, a no chance whatsoever and i'm starting all over but he reversed the whole thing This is the great promise that we see right after the fall of man in Genesis 3.15 that God promises one day that the seed of the woman, the Messiah to come, Jesus, is going to crush the head of the serpent, Satan. He's going to undo it. And he did it. Absolutely amazing what God has done for you and I. But that's the problem. Thus, all mankind is born in sin and separated, is your blank there, separated from God. Okay? I say, well, uh, I'm, I'm doing pretty good now. Well, I think you are. Okay, but this is, again, you're lost. You're headed to 
right? Remember we saw with the, the uh, analogy that the author used that he was in the mountains of New Mexico, right? Yeah, okay, so you're lost, okay? So you're separated right now from uh, civilization, right? Yeah, you got, you got some things, okay? But you go long enough, and pretty soon, all your resources are gonna run out, and little by little, you're gonna die, okay? Unless somebody saves you, okay? And same thing with people say, oh, I'm not doing that bad, or whatever, you know, whatever. And typically, when is it that people actually start to warm up to the conversation about the need to be saved it's when the resources run out isn't it it's with an economic problem it's with a marital problem it's with a physical problem it's with the death of a loved one or a child or somebody and things of that nature and it's like oh okay and then they're usually open to that okay and that's why i tell you we've talked about this before when it comes to sharing the good news with people okay god gives you windows of opportunity okay and those windows come but windows also can be closed again Okay, and if he's working on your heart, prompting on your heart to speak to somebody and there's a window of opportunity, their heart seems to be a little bit more receptive. Hey, don't bank on it being there forever. Don't bank on, well, now they're always gonna have these great conversations with me. Uh Uh-uh. The window could close and you better get in there, Christian, and pray that the Spirit of God would give you the words. Okay, it's not you. Don't put that burden on your shoulder. God does the saving. Okay, we're just the newspaper boy, newspaper girl, but get in there at least begin to share uh, the news okay and not only have we committed sins but we're sinners by our very nature okay again we saw it's very evident with kids we didn't teach them to say no or mine you know, where'd that come from it's inherent uh, at birth as king david said uh, sin harmatia is defined as missing the mark it's an athletic term that indicates whether the javelin struck the target or not uh, god has a target or standard of morality uh, or rightness Uh, for man to live up to though no one does nor ever has nor ever will okay he's got the standard he is who he is he's holy he's infinitely perfect 100 all the time okay and that doesn't change anything but we can't meet it okay there's there's just no way that's what he says we saw last time romans chapter 3 all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god there was no one righteous no not one no one does good the throats you know the whole thing that we went through before okay and that's the other game that we play you see, people say, well, I'm not doing that bad. Or, or don't you realize that you're lost and you're separated from God? Uh, you know, and then they'll start playing this game. Well, okay, so God's holy, but I'm not that bad, right? Well, let's define what's that bad. If there's any ounce of bad, is that 100%? Because that's the standard. But isn't that the game that we play? Okay, we don't realize, no, the standard is the holiness of God. If you're going to dwell with God, who is holy, who is without sin, 100%, you've got to be in the same condition. Because it's worse than oil and water. It doesn't mix. To give you a neat analogy, uh, it's like there are certain germs that just the exposure to the light of sun, they disintegrate, right? You and I, with sin, any ounce of sin, any germ, if you will, okay, in us, the light of God and his infinite holiness, so how are we going to be brought into a relationship? That sin's got to be dealt with. It's, it's got to be removed. It's got to be covered. It's got to be, something has to be done, okay? But see, and so that's, that's the standard. We always think that, well, we, 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 I'm not that bad, or we play the percentage rule, 51 versus 49. As long as I make it over 50, you know, just at least get 1% over, okay? And apparently you talk with a southern accent when you say that. But uh, anyway, uh, then I'm good. No, that's your, you got, it's 100%. Or we play this game. Well, at least I'm not as bad as Tom. How do you like that one, Tom? Is our relationship okay? Are we secure? Thank you. Praise God. Okay, we'll talk about it later. 
Uh, but anyway, so, uh, uh, you know, it's like that. Then what we do? Oh, I'm not as bad as Hitler. You know, I haven't robbed a bank. You know, I haven't done stuff like that. You know, he, yeah, he deserves to go to hell. You know, like, no. Have you ever told a lie? Okay. Have you ever stolen anything? Go through the Ten Commandments. We can't even keep those. Okay. What are you doing when you do that? You are demonstrating the problem. You are lost in danger of hell. You're separated from God, and you can't get there on your own. We're all disqualified from birth. We're DOA on arrival. That's it. We're, you know, the Bible says we were dead in our transgressions and sin. We're dead, right? And unless the Spirit of God touches us, we're in a heap of trouble, right? All right? How many of you guys would love to do an experiment tonight? What we will do is we will lay in the pews, and for 30 seconds, we will actually act like we are corpses. Wouldn't that be a neat experiment at Sunrise Baptist Church? Let's try that. Ready? Yeah, whatever. You don't want to do it. It's kind of creepy and morbid, okay? But uh, a corpse... What does a corpse do? It sounds kind of creepy, but the Bible says we're dead in our transgressions and sin. It decays, but when you speak to the corpse, can it do much? No. Does nothing? Can you, hey, let me shake your hand, or hey, come on over here, or hey, would you start going to church services and clean your act up? You're starting to smell. Uh, can you, hey, can you go over here and get baptized? Can you go over here and start being a nice person? Would you please come over here and donate and do something wonderful for society? Because uh, you don't do anything, Right? Unless somebody comes and gives you life, it's hopeless, right? That's the verbiage that the Bible uses. We need a salvation, okay, from that state. And that's what he talks about. He says, no one ever will. Understand that God demands perfect righteousness because he's holy, okay, in order for us to have a relationship with him. We see, underline this, put some asterisks, put your fireworks all around this, baby. Big trouble, okay? We're in big trouble. Again, it's not just like, oh, well, I guess I might miss out on a relationship with God. No, you're going to hell. Okay? And you say, well, that's a pretty harsh punishment. Okay? Well, again, God's holy. And you think about it, God is the one who not only just makes up the rules, but uh, what, what punishment would suffice for those who have impugned the holiness of God, created in his image, and still yet rebelled against him, and then even have the audacity after he extended to them, I'm willing to forgive you 100%, and says, no. What uh, punishment is there to suffice for a God who is eternally holy than an eternal punishment? Plus, we're created in his image, spiritually and morally. The spirit doesn't die. We're, we're going to continue to exist. That's why we're different than animals and trees. How many guys figure that out without any help tonight? Praise God. Right. Am I glad you're not a pecan tree? Because you always, you, it, what a conundrum to be in, Ron. Am I a pecan or am I a pecan? Is it pecan? You know, well, Anyway, we don't know. But anyway, so, no, we're different, okay? So we're eternal, right? And so you're going to exist either with God or without God. Okay, let's continue on. As Martin Luther states, we are not sinners because we commit sins. Now this one, now that one. But we commit these acts because we are sinners before we do so. That is, a bad tree and bad seed produce bad fruit. And from an evil root, nothing but an evil tree can grow, Okay. Uh, this is why we, we can't do it. Uh, you can't do it by your bootstraps. You can't use self-help. You can't use secular psychology to get out of this mess. You can't determine one day you're going to wake up and turn over a new leaf. Uh, you can't uh, go to uh, uh, these new human potential seminars and just think positive. You can't even do it with a New Year's resolution as cool as that is. It's hopeless. It's like a corpse. Ain't going to happen. You can't do squat. You're in that dead state and you need somebody to give you life okay this is the great dilemma a holy god and a sinful mankind what is the solution here's what paul says but now apart from the law now what's the law 
Can I break that down for you with people's attitudes today? That is trying to be good enough to get to heaven. Nothing's wrong. It's the same thing with God. God is holy. Nothing wrong with him. Nothing wrong with God's word. The Bible says that the problem isn't with God's holy commands. They're right. They're true. They're just. Hello, they came from God. It's our inability to keep them. Okay? And so when he says, apart from the law, it's apart from you trying to earn your way to heaven. But again, what do people even today try to do? They'll say, you're right. They'll even get to the point. Yes, a God is holy and I am not. And I'm lost and I'm doomed to hell. They'll admit that. But then they will reject God's graciousness through the work of Jesus Christ and receive that by faith, as we'll see hopefully in a little bit. Uh, and they'll try to do just that, to keep the law. And we don't say that typically, unless usually we're the, of a more religious mindset, of a Jewish nature, and try to do things of that nature. Just again, I had a conversation with a guy doing that last week uh, from that background. But, but, uh, but we'll, we'll translate those phrases like this. Well, I, I'm trying to be good, or I, I'm going to church services, or I'm a deacon and I deke, or I'm an eld and I eld, and... I, I do this, and I serve here, and I help that, and I teach this, and I, that's great. But you'll never make 100%. And the scripture says, there's the good news. Uh, apart from the law, apart from you trying to be good enough. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we can't be good enough, can we? You talk about the most frustrating thing. Many of the people involved in the uh, cults, Actually, suicide is extremely high rate because you know how frustrating that is to not just receive the wonderful news that it's not on your shoulders and we all know that none of us could make it. I mean, can you imagine how frustrating it would be if it was by works? But who knows how many works you'd have to do? We know it's 100%, but just to play that game, if you will. What if it was, you, did a, you could actually have calculated, you did 100,000 good deeds in your lifetime on earth. What if you get to heaven and it's 100,001? You never know. There's never any assurance. You're just constantly trying, hoping. You never have peace. You never have reassurance. And, and yet, contrary to that, Jesus did it all for us. And so what happens is an extremely frustrating experience. You're trying in, in such a, I, I've shared this with you guys before, but when I finally came to Christ and God had mercy upon me and drove me to my knees, it was such a glorious experience on a multitude of levels, but it was so awesome to say, I, I'm done. I don't have to search anymore. I don't have to wonder anymore. I don't have to, is this the right way? Is that the right way? And I was trying this and I was trying that religion. I was trying self-help. I was trying all this stuff. And nothing ever satisfied, nothing brought that peace. But Jesus Christ, knowing that he did it all, yeah, okay, there's joy uh, in that. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, the Old Testament. Uh, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all uh, those who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, okay? Uh, but how can I be right before a holy God? Well, after his condemnation, of man in Romans chapter 3, Paul returns to his central theme and begins to explain the righteousness of God. He presents it as the solution to man's need. You see, this is the question. How can a sinful man or woman uh, who has no chance of ever earning God's favor through human effort, and you never will, okay, just deal with it, ever hope to approach a righteous or holy God? Okay, for, bingo, that's the answer. For if God, the creator of all things, uh, and only he can give us purpose and value in life, isn't it logical that we should desire a relationship with him? Uh, Solomon says, Ecclesiastes, that uh, he has set eternity in our hearts, 
uh, and th- you know, that, we, that we may know him, seek him, and things of that nature uh, with that. Uh, but we are sinful and he is holy, so how can we ever hope to approach him? How can we be reconciled to him since we are all slaves to sin? Well, thanks for asking, Modell. It's a great question. Uh, Romans chapter 3.21 says, but now apart from the law, again, what's that mean? Let's translate that Christianese idea. Trying to be good enough to get to heaven. But apart from the law, trying to be good enough to get to heaven because you can't, the righteousness of God has been manifested, okay? Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. The Old Testament spoke about it. We need to understand that people in the Old Testament were saved by grace too, okay? It's always been by faith has been the vehicle of salvation. You got Jesus Christ and the cross, the timeline here. You got the Old Testament saints here. We got you and I, the New Testament church here. They look forward in faith to God's promises. We look back in faith to God's promises. It's all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. It's always been by faith, never of works, okay? And that's what we see in Romans chapter four with Abraham, the example. We'll get to that in a second. Although God gave the Jews the law, it was never meant as a means of salvation, okay? Let's take a look at that. Romans chapter three. I want you to see these, Romans chapter 3. Verse 20. And this is right after the context, what we said, where Paul says, there's no one righteous, no, not one, no one who understands, no one seeks God, etc., etc., because there's no fear of God before their eyes. Then he comes into this context, and he says this, therefore, no one, verse 20, chapter 3 therefore no one will be declared righteous in his sight god's sights by what observing the law trying to be good enough okay rather well then why do you send it well through the law we became conscious of what oh i'm not that bad let's go back to that statement i'm not that bad why do you think when i give the gospel what do i bring up to people have you ever lied What am I doing? I'm quoting the law. I'm quoting just the Ten Commandments. Why? Because that shows you that, yeah, you may not be that bad as that person, but that's not the standard. Okay, it's 100%. And then that's the game that we'll play. Well, uh, uh, at least I haven't murdered, but have you lied? Sin is sin. Same penalty. All have sinned. And the penalty is you're separated from God. You're lost or headed to hell. Okay? And, but see, we don't, we don't want to admit that because we categorize sin. We play with sin. We rationalize sin. We size up sin. Well, that's a big one, but this was a small one, okay? Well, that one deserves to be penalized, somebody who's a serial murderer, but everybody lies. Doesn't make it right. And it carries the same penalty, right? So that's why it's important in sharing with people that you dispel all that and you demonstrate. Nobody is gonna get there by, because you can't keep it, okay and through the law the whole reason why he sent it was to point us to our need we need a savior we need jesus christ we need some i can't keep this you got it and that was the summer box of jewish people they tried to keep it okay no you can't keep it aren't you glad because again it's like you go to a doctor and let's say if you had a, a, a cancer or something internally going on and uh you could sit there and say no i don't and they'll say, well, man, I'm seeing some telltale signs or whatever. I think, uh, you know, what, what are they going to order you to do next? Get an x-ray, get a CAT scan, get something like that going on, right? Because they have the ability then to see what's inside of you that you can't see. How many guys are glad? Or actually, that would be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Kind of freak people out, but that'd be kind of cool, especially when you're eating lunch. If you had like a, like the skin of a jellyfish and you could see your insides, wouldn't that be neato? Wouldn't that be cool? I think it would be neat, huh? You guys couldn't lie to me anymore. Oh, no, Pastor Billy, I didn't eat chicken. Liar. I can see it right there. The four, 
15, 16 chicken nuggets. How dare you? That's wrong. Get up here and let's pray. But, uh, you know, wouldn't, okay, but anyway, so, but we can't see the inside of us, okay? We're not jellyfish Christians. That, that'll preach, I guess, maybe on Thursdays. But uh, anyway, we, we can't see inside of us. But, but, but so, so how, how, how do we find out what's going on inside of us? Well, something has to take an x-ray. Something has to reveal what we don't see. That's what the law has done. It gets us to admit what we don't know. It's God's external uh, x-ray to show us internally what he already knows. But we need to admit it. Why do we need to admit it? Because then we admit our lostness and the danger. Now we're in a position to go, uh-huh, tell me about how to get out of this mess. Oh, good. Now, his name is Jesus, right? Don't get the cart before the horse, okay? That's what he talks about. But the law was a basis of fellowship with God, with the Jews, okay? And uh, it spoke of the righteous demands of God, top of page 55. The sacrifice were a continual reminder of the penalty of sin, okay? In fact, the sacrifices look forward to the ultimate sacrifice by God's son to take away uh, sin, okay? And that Jesus would come to save his people from his sins. I believe that uh, text says there in Matthew chapter one. Uh, people through the ages have always been saved as a result of God's grace. As Paul shows this clearly in Romans chapter four, and he says there in that text, you can read it for yourself. He says, and Abraham worked his tail off keeping that law. Therefore, he was justified. Wrong answer. Abraham believed God. He trusted God. He took God at his word. That God was the one who was going to make provision. And that's how he was made acceptable. Paul says that the righteousness of God that has been manifested is the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, wait a second. We'll get into what faith is. If you just want to skip forward a little bit. Trust is pistis in the Greek there. Faith is really what that is. Okay. Because faith is really a generic term, unfortunately, again today uh, in our Christianese uh, culture, okay? You'll say, well, I got faith. Well, all right, faith in what? You know, well, I got faith in God. Well, what do you mean by that? What God? You? Uh, the pew? The chair? What? W what's your God? Well, you know, the Bible says you got to have faith. Yeah, you got to have faith, but what, that doesn't mean it's saving faith. I have faith that uh, when I hop on that plane, I've never met that guy behind the cockpit, and sometimes I don't even see him. I'm hoping he's there. But I got faith when I hop on that thing that I'm going to actually land, right? Okay? Uh, what, do you, what do you mean by faith? Uh, what, do you, what do you mean? Is, is the gospel I just got to have faith in God? Is that just a mental ascent that I just had to believe that there's a God? If that's all that people get out of you and not this when we're sharing it, we ain't sharing the gospel. And that's serious, serious business. And that's a serious thing to get wrong. We blow the window of opportunity that we could have had. We have to understand what in the world we're talking about to give people at least an accurate fighting chance to respond uh, to the truth, okay? Uh, so, so uh, well, then they'll, they'll get a little specific on you. Well, I, I, I have faith in Jesus, all right? Well, what, you're getting closer, but what does that mean? You confess with your mouth. What, is, what does that mean? Well, yeah. I believe that, you know, he was real and he came to the earth and that's good, but that doesn't save you. What does it mean to have faith in Jesus? It's trust. Well, I trust in Jesus that he'll take care. No, trust in what? I trust that his death on the cross, his work in my place, since I couldn't earn it, is the only thing that makes me acceptable for God and has rescued me from my lost condition headed to hell. That's salvation. 
right? You have to break through that because it's so clouded today. I really think the enemy's done a masterful job. Here we have the greatest news of all, and people pepper it with the right phrases, but we don't understand what it means, and then we take it out of context. Did we really help anybody? No. So we have to get it uh, uh, correct. Uh, Let's continue on. This is what he says. Uh, It's in Jesus Christ, okay? Now, why is it by faith? Well, one, because you can't work for it, right? And two, how many guys were there and saw it with your own eyes? Praise God, you didn't raise your hand on that one. Okay, Uh, no, so it has to be by faith, right? You can't earn it and you have to take God. You have to trust him at his word, what we see in the Bible, it's true. Then I think it proves in the pudding because the moment you truly trust Jesus Christ and his death on the cross as sufficient payment for your sins, it becomes real, doesn't it? Okay, you don't put feelings first, but man, when you put faith in God's truth and his facts, then they begin to follow. Okay, let's continue on. Paul addressed two important questions we've got to ask ourselves. How do we receive this, right? Okay, and to whom is this righteousness available? Paul says that uh, we receive this righteousness by faith, is your next blank there, by faith, and that it is available for all who believe. Isn't that awesome? You ever thought about that? God can do whatever he wants to do. But how, how, how would you like it if he says, you know what, I am just, I'm just so upset, okay, with the, the line of Jim Jubinville. You know, I just can't take it anymore. One week he wears a hat, next week he doesn't wear a hat. What's he doing? Yeah, I don't know, I just, I just can't take it anymore. So from this point forward, anybody from the lineage of Jim Jubinville, you're cut off. Wouldn't that be horrible? You're gonna put your hat on next week, too? Yeah? Okay, good guy. All right, uh, but it's everybody. No matter what you've done, whatever your pedigree is, no matter what, where you've been, your background, it's available to every person on the planet. Absolutely amazing. Here's what he says. He says, it's available to all who believe. This righteousness is available because, as we've already seen, we're all in need. Why? Because we've all sinned, fall short of the glory of God. We fall short of God's perfect standard of righteousness, and we have to meet that standard to stand before a holy God. Why? Because he's holy. It's 100% without sin. It's a logical conclusion. How is he who is holy going to have a relationship with he who is not without you getting disintegrated in the process? Like a germ. You're not, unless the sin gets taken care of, okay? Quite a problem, isn't it? Yes, it is, thank you. Uh, but God provided the solution, praise God. How must I be saved? Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption was in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation. Man, that's a big word, and it's a loaded word. It's awesome. Propitiation means this, a satisfaction or turning away of wrath. A satisfaction or a turning away of of wrath that's a word that you unfortunately don't hear much okay the bible says not in, in just when we get into hell uh the bible says right now we are under we are children of wrath apart from christ when before you got saved you were under god's wrath it's only his mercy that's keeping him from oh, annihilating us right now for offending his 100 percent of perfect righteous and holy character okay that he doesn't nuke us as these dirty little germs if you will okay he's withholding from that okay and, and the fact that he would intervene and make a way out of our mess when he didn't do anything, it's us who did it against him, is absolutely amazing. But to give you a good visual of what Christ has done for this, this is awesome. And I think we talked about this before. But if you could imagine being at Hoover Dam, how many of you guys been there? How many of you guys actually walked that bridge thing, right? And you got about it at the middle point, because it's a guy thing, you have to get in the middle, right? Okay, and it's a big fence looking thing there, right? But you got, I kid you not, maybe a foot and a half away from that, and your body started going, stop, stop. Anybody besides me? I was like, 
you know, it's trying to be cool around with the kids, you know, pops, Mr. Strongman, but it's like, get back from here. That ain't right. This is too big of an area. But anyway, so, <laughs> anyway, so if you can imagine you're down there, if you look down there, there's like that power station thing there. Obviously, we don't get access to it. And, uh, but if you're down there, so you're down there at the bottom, and here's the whole big thing. All right, you're down there, and uh, uh, Jim takes his hat off again, and for some reason, it created a crack in the dam, right? Keep the hat on. Okay, but uh, anyway, so uh, he's down there, and uh, the crack, and it's, it's going to go all at once. It just happens so fast. I mean, the whole Hoover Dam is going to come crashing down on you. You're in an utterly hopeless, hopeless, hopeless state. What are you going to do? At the last minute, God intervenes, and he causes a massive earthquake to happen at just right at the right time, and it just creates this huge, massive crack, giant hole in the ground right in front of you. You're not in it. You're away from it. And every ounce, every drop of that water is completely just sucked right down. Completely. You were completely dry. How many guys would say you'd be going, Yahoo! Right? Yeah? And you never take that hat off again your rest of your life. Okay. That's what Christ has done for us. Okay. The Greek word that's used there, speaking of God's wrath, is uh, orge. And we talked about that before. And it's like a violent passion. It's like, oh, oh. And it's, it's like a, a mighty dam of God just, mm, I'm on the verge. And boom, just annihilation, the sin against my, so we don't get that. See, when you look at the Old Testament and when you see when people actually encounter the actual presence of a holy God, they flip out and freak out. Ah, I'm doomed to die. Uh, when God descended the mountain, we saw most likely the actual mountain. Remember on the archaeology thing? When he descended, what did the people do? Ah, Moses, you speak to us. Ah, we're going to die. Don't let God speak to us. Ah, the holy. And so you got this wrath coming against you and then Jesus Christ at the last minute goes like this. And not an ounce of that touches us. He keeps all that wrath and it just goes right down in the hole. You don't even get a drop of mist on you. Nothing. That's propitiation. So when you read that big word in the scripture, understand what he's talking about. It's all taken away. Isn't that awesome? Propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed for the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time, that he might be just and the justifier, the one who has faith in Jesus. So where's the boasting? <laughs> I was a deacon. I don't care what you did. I was a pastor. I did this. I did that. I taught Sunday school for nine million years. That's nice. Thank you. I hope that's not what's coming out of your mouth when you get to heaven and stand before God. Hope you're not trusting in that. Okay, where's the boasting? It's excluded. You don't boast in yourself. Paul says, if I'm going to boast in something, who am I boasting in? The one that took all that for me. I'll jump up and down. I'll put on that crazy hat. I'll put on one of those rainbow-looking wigs and paint my face like they do at football games and scream my lungs out. Whoa! Jesus! On that day, after all he's done for us, absolutely Amazing. It's excluded, no boasting, man. But by what kind of law? Of works? No. By the law of what? Faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from trying to be good enough to get to heaven. Works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles. Obviously, the Gentiles, anybody else on the planet who's not a Jew, so it's everybody. Since indeed God will 
uh, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised Jew or Gentile through faith uh, is one. Do we then nullify the law through faith? May it never be. On the contrary, we establish or rather uphold the law. So after you get saved, uh, you say, well, I don't have to obey none of the commandments. No. Okay. Uh, we uphold the law. We want to please God now. We understand it's not we're trying to earn our way to heaven. It's a logical response now, right? The, the law has always been good. Again, as we said before, name one commandment that's bad for us. Okay? We, but now we do it out of love. Paul says that. He says Christ's love compels us. I, I understand the law now. It's always been right. The problem was I could never keep it as a means to get to heaven. It exposed my need. It was the x-ray. But now that I've been saved, out of love, Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commands. I want to obey him. You see what I'm saying? Don't get the cart before the horse. But then don't have to get saved and think, well, I don't need to keep it. Well, no, it's still holy. It's right. It's good. It's good for you. God's way is the best way. That leads to the best life that you can have this side of heaven. Okay? But we uphold it out of love, not because we're trying to earn our way there. I'm saved as a, uh, uh, by grace, uh, as a gift. Okay? Here's some simple definitions of the word grace of the languages of the scripture. Grace is uh, from the Hebrew word of the Old Testament, the word uh, ken, or, uh, which means the approval, is your blank there, the approval or affection of someone, okay? This word means it denotes the stronger, listen, coming to the help of the weaker who stands in need of help by reason of his circumstances or natural weaknesses. Jim is down there, the crack has happened, here comes the water, what's he gonna do? Oh man, good thing I got this bucket of putty. I know what I'll do. I'll stick my hat in the crack. I'll be like that guy. Aren't you glad? John's not here, Jim, and you're right in, you see where I'm going? Okay, you gotta get out of the line of sight. Okay, but anyway, that's right. So, <laughs> John, John, if you're watching this tape, I'm here for you. But uh, anyway, but uh, uh, no, what, what's he gonna do? What can he do? He, there, it's too late. It's, you can't do nothing. I don't care if you had a truckload of uh, uh, cement spackle. It ain't gonna stop it. Okay, and that's what he's, it's, it's just, the stronger is, the, is that's what it means. Uh, the stronger, the one who actually could do the impossible, suck up all the water from the Hoover Dam exploding, has come to your aid. That's what grace is, okay? Uh, the action itself is what makes the weaker party acceptable. Uh, it's the Greek word, charis, uh, and it means favor, gracious care, or help. Favor's your next blank there. Okay, and Paul uses the word, quote, for Paul, grace is in the essence of God's decisive uh, saving act in Jesus Christ, which took place and in his sacrificial death, and also of all its consequences in the present and future. Notice Paul says that this righteousness standing before God comes as a gift. Okay, that's another thing. It's a gift. Okay, if it's something that you could do, that's not a gift. You're earning that thing, and that's what he says. He says it cannot be earned or deserved. Why? Because the standard's 100%. So it ain't gonna happen. You'll never get the paycheck. You can't earn the paycheck. It's impossible because you can't do the work. I don't care how you, I don't care how you, well, I did three-fourths of it, but it's not enough. You didn't complete the task. The task was 100%, okay? That's why the only way you could get a paycheck is if they say, you know what? Regardless of you, here you go. But what good does it if you don't receive it? Right? You can sit there the whole time. And he says, uh, if I give you a gift but say to you, you have to work for me to keep it, it's no longer a gift. It becomes wages, that's your blank there, it becomes wages that you have earned. But Paul says this righteousness is a gift. 
however, did not come free, did it? Okay, it really did. It's free for us, but what did it cost? It cost God uh, the life of his son. For Christ paid the ultimate price on the cross, his life. All of this was possible because of grace. We can neither earn it, nor do we deserve it. It's because of God's gracious favor. Now, again, this is why it's when you say that you, a person says that they can lose uh, your salvation. First of all, is it really your salvation in the first place? That's a misnomer. No, it's not. It's his. Praise God, it's his. Okay. Now, but if, if you say you lose your salvation, on the one hand, you'll say, well, yes, it's a gift. I cannot earn my salvation. Okay. But then you just said, I can earn my way out of it. How could it be a gift then? How can you say on the one hand it starts off being a gift, but then I have to work to keep it? It's not a gift. A gift is regardless. Start to finish. Not just halfway, not just receiving it, now work for it. Then it's not a gift, is it? It cannot be lost because it's a gift. It's his salvation, okay? Uh, what a paradox, he says. The creator allowing the creation to put him to death on the cross to pay for their sin, that is grace. Okay, absolutely awesome, okay, is what's going on there. And that reminds me, and this is what's so radically different, guys, about uh, uh, Christianity, in case we've talked before with the different religions uh, on the planet, okay? Number one, Christianity talks about that uh, this place called hell is real, the wrath, being under the wrath of God. You may not see it, but guess what? The Bible says that God is right now, apart from Jesus Christ, if you're in this room and you're not a Christian, or if you're watching this by tape or on the, the internet and you're apart from Christ, that you are under the wrath of God. If you could picture the Hoover Dam with all that water, uh, uh, translate that with the wrath of God. It's just right there. And only his grace is keeping that thing from going and annihilating you. Right? And if you consist in that state by your own doing, your own choice, you're going to head up into this place, Right? People today want to deny that there's a hell. Uh, yeah, other religions would say that evil's not even real. It's an illusion. Okay, but say, well, yeah, there's evil, but you're going to have another chance to undo it with karma and the next life. And no, the Bible says it's appointed man to die once and then face judgment. But hell is real. Listen to what the Bible says about this place. God saved us from uh, uh, being under his wrath here on the planet, but listen to where he has saved us for all eternity. Hell is a place of thirst. Can you imagine that? Have you ever been thirsty I mean, really thirsty? Can you imagine being thirsty forever and ever 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 and it's never satisfied? It's a place of worms, right? Worms. It's a place of no return. There is no second chance. You're not getting out of there. It's a place of remembrance. You'll remember every single opportunity you ever did to respond to God's wonderful good news. But you rejected it. And for all eternity, you will remember. You'll remember all the opportunities you had but she said, no, I don't need that, okay? Uh, it's a place of the wicked dead. Can you imagine for all eternity, for all eternity, the only place, your only companionship, the only thing around you is wicked people screaming out, crying, ah, just like you. That's your only company. Oh, and then throw in this company, it's a place of wicked demons. Has anybody here actually had an actual encounter with demons. Pretty freaky, isn't it? For those of you who had that unfortunate experience. Okay? Can you imagine on top of just people all around you forever and ever and ever? Ah, it's flooded with demons. 
Uh, it's, it's a place of a bottomless pit. It's a place of burning waste dump. It's a place of outer darkness. It's a place of fire. It's a, it's a place of the lake of fire. It's a place of eternal fire. It's a place of unquenchable fire. It's a place of everlasting punishment. Uh, eternal, can you imagine? How, how do you guys, remember getting punished by dad? Remember that? However long that lasted, you know what I'm saying? You know, whether it was a spanking or something and didn't feel good and that hurt for 30 seconds or uh, it was some other form of punishment and you got grounded for a week and that really stunk and all that stuff. Can you imagine for the rest of your existence forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, you're always in a state of punishment? On top of all the other things we just read? Uh, eternal condemnation, eternal judgment, everlasting destruction, weeping and gnashing of teeth. And you'll never get out of that state ever again. Uh, it's it's a, a place of torment, a place of eternal torment. Wow, that's, that's not a fun place to be. But what has God done for us? I'm willing to forgive you. In fact, I'm willing to do what nobody else will do. I'm going to lift you out of the pit. Right? This is what's so radical. Christianity not only talks about this eternal punishment, okay? Everybody wants to scoff at it, deny it, and say it doesn't exist. But then only Jesus Christ is the one who gets us out of it. Let me give you some of the other options. A man fell into a pit and couldn't get out himself. So a subjective person came along and says, I feel for you down there, but he didn't do anything. Then an objective person walked by and says, it's logical that someone would fall down there, but they didn't do anything. A Pharisee came along and says, only bad people fall into pits and walked off. A mathematician calculated the precise angle in which he fell into that pit. Too bad. Uh, a newspaper reporter won an exclusive story on the pit. An IRS agent asked if he was paying taxes on that pit. A self-pitying person says, you haven't seen nothing until you see my pit. A psychologist uh, uh, noted, your mother and father are to blame for you being in that pit. A self-esteem therapist says, just believe in yourself and you can get out of that pit be a better you. Uh, an optimist said, uh, things could get worse. A pessimist says, things will get worse. And Jesus, seeing the man, took him by the hand, loved him, and lifted him out of the pit. Only Christianity does that. The other ones say, you've got to work your way there. You've got to figure out how to get out of that pit yourself. Uh, there is no pit. It's not even real. Only Christianity says, yeah, you're in a pit. You're headed to someplace, uh, a bottomless pit but I'm going to get you out of there, even though you're fully responsible for it. Isn't that amazing? And then as we close, now, flip it around. He didn't just get us out of the pit, right? Listen to what we get. We get to be for all, ever and ever, in the actual dwelling place of God, experiencing his fullness and his holiness. We, we get to be not surrounded by demons forever, but angels. Holy angels of God, listening to them, singing with them, who knows what. Okay, it, the Bible says heaven is a heavenly country, right? We get nostalgic and we think about how America used to be, and that's awesome. And it's grievous when you think how far we have fallen as a Christian nation. But as cool at the height of America as it was, heaven really is a heavenly country. No more politics, many blood-sucking creatures, all of you have heard that before. No more of that stuff, no more of the stuff that we, we talked about last night. Uh, Ron, with the injustices of people and their behavior and what they would do and the atrocities that we do upon each other. That's all gone. Every citizen of heaven 
It's the perfect country ever. We get to be in that place. It's a holy place. It's an eternal paradise. Okay, eternal. It's a place where the streets are actually made of gold. Actually made of actual gold. The gates to enter into the New Jerusalem is made from giant pearls. How many guys like see those clams? Them some whoppers. Okay. Uh, the place, uh, the foundations of precious gems. All the things that people scour and dig in the dirt and go through Africa and kill themselves to find just a little bitty gem. The foundations of this structure, which is huge, by the way, uh, is laid with precious gems. Absolutely. More. I mean, this is the place we get to live in. Uh, it's a place of eternal rest. Anybody, as the older you get, the more you start to look at that verse and say, that's going to be good. Eternal rest? I mean, real rest, right? Okay. Uh, eternal joy. Isn't that awesome? I'm just convinced that the first thing that uh, we, when we get to heaven, you know this is going to happen. Every corny joke that I have ever preached, we will all get a personal copy. And we'll read it forever and there'll be eternal joy. Yeah, whatever. Uh, apparently they'll be translated and they will actually be funny uh, in heaven. Uh, it's a place without wickedness, without darkness, without sin. Think about that. We are headed to, no, what was the contrary? Worms, demons, torture, torment, punishment, ah. And then we get to a place, there's never a bad day, ever. No bad thought, no bad relationship, no bad nothing. It's awesome. It's not just for a weekend. It's not just two weeks vacation. Oh, we got to go back. It's forever. Forever. And there's no more tears. You're never going to, it's not, no, no more pain. No more mourning. You won't have to say goodbye to your Christian loved one ever, ever, ever again. You won't have to say goodbye to your Christian friends. Nobody. It's the greatest family reunion of all, man. It's a place without death. It's a place of absolute purity. It's a place filled with the glory of God, and it's an everlasting place. We talked about this last week as we closed. Salvation. You look at that. Yeah, it starts out pretty... But it ends up almost seemingly too good to be true, but it is true. Why would we be ashamed of that? What a joy, what a privilege it is to let somebody know about true biblical salvation. Wouldn't you want them to go there? Wouldn't you want them to have the hope that no matter how bad things might get here on earth, this is not our home. We're not just not going to hell. Where we're headed to is amazing. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die... And it's coming for each one of us. We're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so, out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law, or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows. 
that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law, to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the, the, another commandment says you shall not steal. Okay, uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly, the Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder and you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included, and that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. For instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel, and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, they certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. 
The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you your sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing, loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.